Hello and welcome to another edition of the wildly popular and world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. I am the traffic anchor for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. I'm Denver 7's own pedestrian advocate, Joseph Peters. Pleasure to be back here, Jason. Yes, it is a pleasure to be seeing you and to be seen as well. Uh, we have a busy show for us today. No guests, unfortunately. Um, even though it is the 100 consecutive week, we are not going to have uh, a Brogan Bam Brogan. Oh. Darn. We have that man. going for us. I really would like to talk to Brogan Bam Brogan well, about so many things. I know. I would, too. We don't have any guests at all. Uh, we do have some other great topics, though, which will push us through. We don't need guests to have a great show. That's We've done true. it many times before. Mm-hmm. Um, we will also talk about something that I wanted to talk about last week, but we didn't get to, uh, is how uh, California wants to have a lane that is basically no speed limit. And we're also going to be talking... Uh, an interesting scenario about how Volvo wants to limit how fast you can go in your car, even in certain areas around your city, based on where and how you are driving. I don't like it. Well, we'll do that in just a little bit, but let me lay this on you first. Driver notices smoke and flames emerging from the back of a garbage truck. He is driving. He pulls over. He dumps the flaming contents onto the parking lot so firefighters can extinguish the blaze. And that's when they found the dead cow. Oh. (laughs) The story comes from Camp Hill, Pennsylvania, near Harrisburg, where the Pennsylvania Department of Agriculture website noted there are actually five ways to properly dispose of a dead cow. Uh, Throwing it in the back of a uh, fiery trash truck is not one of them. Um, It did include burying it under at least two feet of soil. Uh, a minimum of 100 feet away from water, incinerating it in a special enclosed incinerator, rendering it at a licensed facility, composting it. Uh, I guess you could have also disposed it at a landfill that has a license to accept dead animals. I mean, geez, though, aren't cows combustible? Like, really combustible? Uh Uh-huh. Okay, so yeah, incinerator, for sure. Officials from the Lancaster County Solid Waste Management Authority, which owns the Harrisburg incinerator, said they are not licensed to accept that dead cow. Oh, well. They said they would have to refuse it and ask the trash truck workers to reload it back into their truck instead. (laughs) So the case, I never could find out where the dead cow ended up. Maybe it just like uh, evaporated. It was was transported around so much it just disappeared. Because they did have the trash company show up with a bulldozer uh, and other equipment to pick up all that wet, soggy, flame-ridden trash and put it, I guess, into another back of another trash truck and off they go um don't know where it was or how it got back in the back of that truck but i mean just what a terrible set of circumstances for everybody involved could you imagine that you're driving that truck and there's a flaming dead cow yep not good sir not Not good good. uh the mayor of oklahoma city is celebrating the completion of a personal mission he rid the city's airport of cow tipping T-shirts. Too many cows so far. Speaking They're driving of, you crazy. Yeah, podcast. this is a cow. This is the cow uh, segment here. Uh, Mayor David Holt celebrated after many, many months of trying to end sales of shirts reading "Nothing tips like a cow" at the Oklahoma City's Will Rogers Airport. Now the clothing has sold out of all the stores. Of course it has. It was sell. I mean, they did have. Now they've just let it sell out, so they haven't replaced any of the. Of the uh, of the stock, so uh-huh. it won't be restocked. An airport spokesman said that the shirts with the shape of the state and a cow lying on its back <laughs> were quote pretty popular unquote for more than ten years. You can imagine why. Ten years. 
Yep. They sold the same shirt for 10 years, and then the fun police decided to step in and say, no, sir, you cannot sell this cow-tipping T-shirt. And now it's probably even more popular because it's a contraband T-shirt. That same airport guy said, the joke has run its course. No, it has I don't think so. I think it has more legs. Oh. <laughs> yes. Uh, cow-tipping obviously is not true. Yes. Well, I was about to bring that up. This is an elaborate hoax for yes. everybody, right? It's a legend where kids sneak onto a pasture and then at night and then knock a cow over that sleeps standing up. But cows don't sleep standing up. They, they sleep laying, you know, sitting down. Right. The one time me and my buddies when I was in high school tried to go cow tipping. We drove by a field full of cows, realized how difficult it was going to be, and decided to hold hands and grab an electric fence instead. So, what? teenagers. <laughs> From one bad idea to an obviously worse idea. And how did that work out for you? It was fine. I've always learned not to whiz on the electric fence. I feel like that would probably hurt more. Yeah, I would would imagine so. Um, the, The part about this story that really gets me is I don't know how or understand how a mayor, or really anybody, can tell any private business inside a wherever what they can and cannot sell. Now, the only way I could see them doing this is because it is on a city, probably the city-owned airport, and I don't know if the city could put in the lease, hey, you can't sell this or you can't sell these things or we're going to put restrictions on, let's say, pornography or alcohol or whatever the case may be in this shop, Mm -hmm. and maybe they rewrote a lease to these shop owners saying you can't sell certain types of shirts, including this one, where they deem it's obscene or obnoxious or the joke has run its course. And they should reserve the right to do that. Um, I mean, when I was in Chicago, I was jokingly looking for a Chirac t-shirt. Obviously, they don't sell those there because that would be demeaning to the city of Chicago. And so it's the same thing. You know, you want to make sure that your airport is putting the best foot forward for your city. But, I mean, the flip side of that is, can you imagine a Denver, Denver airport without Broncos gear on every single concourse i'm just waiting for the chicago airport to sell uh jussie smollett shirts of some sort saying yes. I, I have a check from him as well i would prefer the jussie smollett experience where <laughs> i walk into one room i call somebody i say hey come beat me up and then in the next room they do it <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting to see that an airport can do that i know that the denver international airport has control over what businesses are in their airport i didn't I reach out to them to see if they could also maybe restrict what can and cannot be sold at those businesses inside the airport. But I, I guess it's their prerogative. Well, this is the recklessly speculative part of the podcast right. where I say it seems like Denver doesn't have that problem because they just make sweetheart deals with all the vendors. That they get. Yeah, sure they do. I mean, they want to make money. You know where they make most of their money? Parking. They make millions of dollars in parking of out course of the airport they do. all year long. Comedian Bill Engvall, well, he's famous for the here's your sign jokes, right? He's that, he's that guy, here's mm-hmm. your sign. Yep. And, and sometimes real life is the best source of comedy. There was a man in California who was arrested for DUI while he was driving a car with a sign mounted on the top of his car that read, I should probably get a ride home. No. It also read, buzz driving is drunk driving. 
Now, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration will pay drivers to display such signs on their cars, and it's a way for people to actually make some advertising money while they're driving around. But unfortunately, this guy didn't heed the sign that was on the top of his car. It was about 4 a.m. when the man was pulled over for weaving across three lanes on I-80 in Berkeley. The CHP tweeted a photo of the car's sign along with the definition of irony, saying, The lad was got by the irony gods. The highway patrol said, The DUI sign is a good message, but the driver's not necessarily the best role model. (laughs) Okay, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, CSP. Wow. Uh, Yeah, you probably shouldn't... I mean, why did the man put that advertisement on his car in the first place? But to earn some money. Yeah, but you know you're a habitual drunk driver, dude. You should, like, if you get the sign in the mail and it says, buzz driving is drunk driving, either one, it should be a wake-up call, or two, just send it back and be like, you know what, I don't think I, I'm right for this advertisement. There should be, uh, I don't know, I guess there should be maybe a background check and see how how much you like to drink before you put that up there maybe you shouldn't put um that you that like a weight watchers um, yes. sign on the top of your car if you only eat at McDonald's correct absolutely or you shouldn't put a McDonald's sign on the top of your car if you're a ultra um athletic person or a vegan yeah or a vegan yeah. exactly something like that I don't think they did their due diligence. No, sir. No, sir. But there, there are a lot of ways people make money by wrapping their cars in an advertisement, putting signs on their car. How much money do you actually make off that, though? And don't, don't you know. have to be on the road for quite a bit of time as well? Well, it brings me back to the time where uh, that uh, I, I was looking for a job. It was for, you know, 30 years ago. And there was a, a company called Quicksilver delivery company mm-hmm. where you are taking papers from one place to another where, you know, and, and you had to put a – they wanted me to take – my truck, my little pickup truck, over to this detail place and have these these stickers, these little letters that says, I mean, they have their logo put on the side of my truck. And, uh, and so I would be driving with that on the side of my truck all the time, obviously, while I was working. And then I, and then I said, well, what about when I'm not working? They said, you can go get a, because my, white, my truck was white, they said you can go get these white uh, me- metallic uh, magnets that, that'll stick on the side that'll cover it up. I said... Uh, I don't. That'll scratch up the side of my truck. And then, what do I do with all these letters when I'm done working with you people? Well, then you just peel them off. I said it's probably not that easy. And they probably will leave a mark after a while, sitting in the hot sun. And I said, well, how about this for an idea? I'll drive with your name of your business on the side of my truck while I'm working. But when I'm not working and I'm driving, I will charge you per mile, ten cents a mile for the advertisement fee. And they said, no thanks. And I said, okay. I'll go find another job. They didn't like that. I mean, to hell with them. Exactly. You told them, man. I did tell them. There we go. And here I am today. We ran out of time last week to talk about this story. I briefly mentioned it at the end of the show. A state lawmaker from Orange County, California, recently introduced legislation that would create additional lanes on two California freeways that would have no maximum speed limit. Republican State Senator John Morlach's proposal calls for additional north and southbound lanes on stretches of I-5 and State Route 99. Those two highways basically run parallel to one another in the state's Central Valley, basically between Sacramento and Bakersfield. So we're not talking about super highly 
congested. We're not talking about downtown Los Angeles or San Francisco or San Diego. I mean, we're talking about an area of the state that doesn't have crazy congestion. Mm -hmm. So the new lanes would be segregated from the ones that currently comprise the interstate. So the cars using the special lanes wouldn't have to dodge slow-moving semis or grandma in the right lane, uh, any trailers that would be on the road throughout the state. Now, the current speed limit on that section of I-95 and on Highway 99 is 70 miles an hour. So this would make it no limit at all. So you could go in your Tesla, what, 150 miles an hour. But there's only one lane. It would be one lane. So you're single file. I suppose so. So you could, theoretically, still get caught behind the slow left lane driver, but at a whole different extreme in what's supposed to be a 100-mile-an-hour lane. Right, so so I could be going in that lane at 100 miles an hour, and you might want to go at 180, and uh, I am slowing you down. Correct. Now, and I the don't, person who's going 30 is slowing both of us down. <laughs> I don't think they would be allowed to go 30 in that lane. I, I, w- I could not wait to see the helicopter shot the first time somebody jumps into that lane and decides they're going to go like 73. And get their Bugatti out yep. there. Yep. You know, there's a new that new Bugatti that uh, just came out, that the, electric one, the $2 million one? I saw the $12.5 million, I think it was a Lambo. Oh this yeah, came that out one. as well. That thing's a beaut, man. Yeah, I think that one doesn't that one go like 250, and they had to squirrel it down to like 215 or something. <laughs> whatever, whatever it takes to get it on the road, go right ahead. Well, this California lawmaker says he came up with this idea in part to help ease traffic and reduce greenhouse gases. I think what he meant to say was, I came up with this idea for attention, so broadcast outlets like the Driving You Crazy podcast would talk about me. Although we haven't used his name, so joke's on you, dude. He also uh, wants to provide an alternative to the state's conventional high-speed rail, a portion of which is currently under construction in that Central Valley. He says it would take maybe three years to build out these high-speed lanes, while the high-speed rail is still 10 to 20 years away. They also say building these freeway lanes would be a lot cheaper, about $3 billion, with uh, estimates of the uh, 520-mile stretch of high-speed rail costing about $77 billion. $3 billion compared to $77 billion. Respectfully. May I again bring up the bottleneck problem? (laughs) Like There is is a very fundamentally flawed freeway problem. Well, maybe they can do a uh, have certain areas where there's a passing lane. There we go. Now, now not we're not not a full two lanes. No, I but think maybe you need the full two lanes. I, I'm talking about building a full shoulder maybe, highway to the current. Maybe highway. they could build two lanes. Also, California already owns that right of way to build the highway lanes, and that obviously makes it less expensive to construct because they would have to buy a lot of the land for the high speed rail. Now, since the state already owns that land, the cost of building the lanes would be basically related to just the construction of those lanes. Now, the bill is being waited, uh, waiting to be heard in California's Transportation Committee. And the problem with allowing people, I think, to go as fast as they want is that they will go as fast as they want. Problem? Question mark? Even if you have a barrier-separated lane from the super-fast lane to the regular lanes, you're going to have a speeding car that can flip out of that lane and into either oncoming traffic or into the regular lanes uh, because those wrecks at those high speeds are devastating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Devastating. Mm -hmm. And it takes a while for a car to stop at 60 miles an hour. It takes a lot longer for it to stop when it's going 150 miles an hour. 
So I think that safety issue is probably going to squash this altogether. It's probably not federally legal either, is it? No, I wouldn't imagine so. So there you go. I because mean, it's an interstate highway, so it's really regulated by the Federal Highway Administration. Exactly. So, I mean, it's, it's a non-starter. It's an attention grabber for sure. Uh, it, if you build a shoulder highway where there's no speed limit, I'm all in. If you're just building one lane, Because eh. I have really no problem with somebody wanting to go as fast as they want and risk their own lives doing it. Mm-hmm. But if other people's lives are at risk... Then I have a problem doing it. Like if you're driving 150 on the salt flats in in what is it Utah, that, go go after it. I mean, dr- go as fast as you want. Well, and I had thought about that, but I don't think that's really a fair comparison, right? Because if you go into Montana, Utah, Wyoming, any of these states where you got wide open stretch of the highway, yeah, you, you can go as fast as you want. There's no enforcement, right? The difference with California is that there is enforcement. These are well traveled highways yes. that where we're trying to provide an alternative, and so. You can't really just go with the, well, let's just let people go as fast as they want anyway. Well, what Montana has done is they have said they allow the speed to be what is reasonable and prudent, which allows for people to drive 90, 100 miles an hour if the conditions allow. If it's, let's say, daytime, sunny, very light traffic, you can go a little bit faster. But if it's a little bit more congested, you're weaving in and out, then obviously they're going to pull you over. But again, it comes down to enforcement. Mm -hmm. How many officers are there for these big states to be patrolling when they're uh, stretched so thin doing other other work. Mm-hmm. My guess is that California would pass the legislation if they could also make it into a toll lane. Right. Charge you 20 or 30 or $50 for the privilege to drive in that super fast lane and and guarantee that you can go at least 100 miles an hour and uh, you can get going as fast. You might have to Get behind somebody going 110 if you want to go 150, but that's a way for the state to recoup money on on the cost of the lanes and then have money to maintain that stretch of freeway, and I could see people wanting to do that. So I don't know California very well, but how much would you pay to go from Sacramento to San Francisco in three quarters of the time? Uh, I don't know. I don't work there. I know. Yeah. I guess um, if I, I guess if I was working there, ten bucks, maybe ten bucks. Okay, I don't know, man. It feels more like a tourist play than anything else to me. It could like, be like, and I almost wish that they would just say, you know what, we're we're going to build this highway in the middle of nowhere, and we're going to make it a tourist mecca, and you can go as fast as you want. Bring bring everybody's fancy cars. That to me would be more fun than this silly proposal. Yeah, uh, I, I think they could also use any told money to. Uh, Replace barriers and mm-hmm. fix the road when when somebody goes careening out of control. Yes. I mean, once the once you see the first wreck of this of this kind of magnitude, where somebody's going 150, and then the car is obliterated, and there's pieces of a person all over the road, and or maybe that driver had a passenger or maybe a couple other passengers in the car because they all wanted to be speed junkies and, and go a you know 200 miles an hour. That that that's when it would stop. I, I had this great idea a while back where uh, NASCAR should just take over the state of Wyoming one weekend, and instead of doing the race on a track, they just race <laughs> Wyoming, and it's like a 500-mile race around the state, and that would give you a taste of what it would look like for a 170-mile crash on a regular old interstate. That would be pretty fun. Yes, it would. I like that idea. That's quite fun. And for, if those lanes are ever built, uh, and you had a Volvo, you would only be able to actually go do 112 miles an hour. Oh. So maybe you could not have a Volvo in those lanes because they are now going to be speed capped. 
at 112. Yeah, the, the, the company, the entire Volvo lineup is going to have a top speed on all of their cars, except some of their electric ones, at 112 miles an hour. Wait. And that's going to start in 2021. Is it higher or lower for the electric ones? They have this electric brand, that's uh, so it's, it's not... Part of Volvo. I mean, Volvo owns this company that makes electric cars, and they're not going to put the limit on those. But anything with the Volvo name will have this limit. Doesn't that seem backwards? The gas-powered car that has all the power yes. has capped at 112, but the electric car that goes putt, putt, putt only can go as fast as it wants? Now, Volvo says this is an attempt to reduce the number of crashes because, obviously, we can't take care of ourselves as people. Volvo has to do it for us. Thanks, Volvo. Now, the speed cap will prevent drivers from accelerating to the top speed of what is now 155 miles an hour in the Volvos, and it will be capped at 112. There'll be an electronic device in the car that will limit the speed as soon as the car hits 112. Now, I have a governor similar to this in my Chevy Volt. It will go to 101 miles an hour, and then it starts slowing down. Um, so you could keep bumping at it, I guess. I, I've only been able to hit that one time down a hill um, with a tailwind. No, <laughs> actually, the car gets going pretty good. Yeah, sure. Even if you're 70 or 80, you okay. can still hit the gas and, and get going. Do, is it, was that a Chevy installed, Governor, or was that brought in by somebody else? Like, no, it was, it was part of the car when I bought the okay. car. So there is a Governor on my car right now, but it's going to be the same thing with all Volvos going forward. And similar technology has been installed on several high-performance cars in Germany but with a much higher speed limit because in Germany they have roads where you can drive legally very, very fast. I think that's also where the California idea has come from because Absolutely. they have yeah because they have Cali- roads there in Germany where you can go really, really fast, and, they're, and for the most part they're doing it safely. Volvo is believed to be the first car maker to install the cap across its entire fleet of cars. Volvo police vehicles, though, that are sold to police um, agencies will be exempt from this cap. So you don't have to worry about your policeman not being able to catch the speeding motorcyclist going 120 because he's only limited to 112. Volvo says speeding remains one of the main contributors to road deaths along with impaired driving and mobile phone use. And Volvo, Volvo says the problem with speeding is that above certain speeds, in-car safety technology and smart infrastructure design are no longer enough to avoid severe injuries and fatalities in the event of an accident. You know what that sounds like to me? They want to have a great and or, or perfect safety record with having people not injured or killed in their cars, and therefore they're limiting how fast you can go because they believe at higher speeds you are more likely to die in a crash and I'm surprised they're allowing it to be at 112 and not putting it down at, let's say, 92. 92 does feel absurdly low, though. At least I, I feel like you should at least be able to hit 100, like with your vehicle, and then bump back down if you get to that speed. Maybe that's that's just a speed demon in me. But so one of Volvo's leading safety experts says, as humans, we all understand the dangers with snakes and spiders and heights. With speeds, not so much. People often drive too fast in a given traffic situation and have poor speed awareness and overestimate their own capabilities as a driver. We need to support better behavior and help people realize and understand that speeding is dangerous. Big brother. I was going to say, take out a commercial. Like, Like, put a commercial on the air. You don't need to cap everybody's speed to do that. Well, but they believe 
that we can't do it for ourselves, and they have to do it for us. I mean, it's so the wh- protectionist philosophy. So instead of trying to educate us, why don't they just stop selling to certain groups of people? They're basically helicopter parents at this point. Exactly. Like if you drink well, Monster how can Energy you stop, drinks, how, how can you prevent somebody from buying your car? And because you can't determine how fast somebody's going to go or 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 slow somebody's going to go once they buy it. No, but you can look for the cues. Right, you can look for a certain. And, and what is a dealer? Somebody. Is a dealership supposed to do that? The the, the uh, salesperson go. You look like you're going to be um, some kind of a Yahoo that's going to drive 115 miles an hour. Yeah, if I see Nicole I'm Brady walk sell- in, I will not sell you a vehicle. <laughs> Dismissed, ma'am. Thank you. Well, her problem is not speeding. Her problem <laughs> is paying attention. Uh, Volvo's president, get this. Volvo's president said, while a speed limitation is not a cure all. It's worth doing if we can even save one life. Oh, wouldn't it be worth it if we save one life? No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be worth it because that life is mine to live and mine to choose how I want to live it. How many things have we justified, though, by saying it's worth it if we just saved one life? That's the problem. I don't believe in that philosophy. If I just touched one person. I don't believe in that philosophy. I agree. The Volvo president continues. We want to start a conversation about whether car makers have the right or maybe even an obligation to install technology in cars that changes their driver's behavior. While speeding is commonplace, it's unlikely that any driver is regularly, honestly, going over 112 miles an hour. But does that mean a car company has the right to tell us how fast we can or cannot go? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Now, I have the freedom to not buy their product. There you go. And I wouldn't buy it because it's a free market society. And, you know, this it, it, it brings me up. Now I'm going to go on an offshoot here. There we go. Because this is a world now where we all want our freedom to do what we want. We don't want to be told what we want to do because we're Americans and that's the way we like to be. However, everybody wants free stuff. So we're a, we're, we're a, we're a society of give me my free stuff, but don't tell me. Uh, I, I, that you're going to take my stuff to give it to somebody else because I want free stuff, but I still want to be able to have the freedom to do whatever I want. It's it's really quite the interesting juxtaposition of needing to pay for all the free stuff, but not don't take my stuff and I want free stuff. Yes, yes, and yes, don't tell me yes. what to do. Yeah, God, I could not agree more with all of this. It's it's really stunning. It's how, the entitlement complex. Yes. man. there's no other way to describe it. So Volvo thinks they really can, and they think it's their obligation to tell us what we can and can't do with their car. Because Volvo is also exploring how geofencing, basically a virtual geographic boundary defined by GPS, can be used to automatically limit your speed as you're driving around a school or hospital. So let's say it's you're driving around a school and and the lights are flashing for 25 miles an hour. The car would automatically slow down to 25 miles an hour as you're going through that school zone. That can't be real, but I know it's real. And not only do I know it's real, like that's going to happen soon, man. Like that is not going to be a far away thing. That is going to be a thing that we see within the next 30 years where people are like, you know, it's a good idea if you really can't go a bit more than 30 miles an hour in a school zone. We've talked about how autonomous technology and self-driving cars are going to be coming incrementally. We're going to see little bits of it as we get closer to that reality. We've already had automatic windows. Instead of rolling up the windows with your hand, the hand crank, you just push a button. 
that that really is part of a automatic technology. And you have uh, cruise control, automatic technology. Obviously, Tesla has really moved this up with self-driving technology as you're sitting in the car and as an autopilot feature where somebody, like we saw the video uh, today yes, or yesterday, of some guy who was sleeping for about 10 minutes while the car is driving itself at 70 miles an hour down the freeway. So there's all these little bits of autonomy that will eventually come together and create the fully autonomous car where it is driving itself, where we are just passengers going by a school zone. It knows its geolocation, and it slows us down to that speed, period. Because if I'm using the Waze app, as I often use, it has on there what the speed limit is as I'm driving down the interstate, and it will show me if I'm going faster than that speed limit. A little speed limit, it'll go red, and it shows that I'm going faster. And if I'm going more than five, it will. I think it goes to a different color. And it's very accurate. I passed a sign that goes from 75 to 65 on my way into work. And it will change that little speed limit thing on the Waze app right at that sign. So they know where those signs are. They know they can do that. So that technology exists. Do I want, do I want people speeding in, in school zones? No. I don't. I don't want people speeding in school zones. But I also want them to have the freedom to do it if they so choose. I don't want them to do it, but I also don't want to take away their freedom to have them be able to do it. This is your most libertarian take. I love it. I love it. I can't get enough of it. Uh, and I totally agree. Like I, I legitimately could not agree more. We shouldn't be... Look, and to your point, it's fine for the company to put a governor on things, but it's also fine for us to say, I'm not going to buy a car from a company that wants to govern me. I'm going yes. to go with the company that allows me to live my life to the fullest by going 160 miles an hour in a school zone, if that's what I so desire. And then I would have to face the consequences with local law enforcement. Yes. It's the same thing with the red light uh, or the photo radar uh, speed uh, cameras. If somebody's going to try to take my speed and not let me efface my accuser and just send a ticket in the mail, that's no good for me. In the Constitution, I have the right to face my accuser. Yes. And that accuser has never faced me. Now, Volvo's president continued to say, we want to start a conversation about whether car makers have the right or even maybe an obligation to install technology in cars that changes their driver's behavior to tackle things like speeding, intoxication, or distractions. We don't have a firm answer to this question, but we believe we should take leadership in the discussion and be a pioneer. To that point, intoxication. Are they going to install all cars with a breathalyzer? Like if you get a DUI, there are people that do have to have a breathalyzer type device hooked up into their car. Once it blows zero, they can start the car. Is that going to be installed in my Volvo? Is it going to stop me from having any distractions? In other words, I'm going to get in the car, turn it on, and there's going to be a jamming device in my car that then jams or turns off my cell phone? It's so funny you bring this up. I've always been nervous that a car company was going to have a feature that was like drunk driving shutoff, right? Where it notices yes. that you're swerving a little too much or something to that effect, and it just, boom, shuts down your car, right? Or puts you on autopilot or something like that. Because the issue for me would be that I'm bad at driving. So it would read my driving as, this guy is drunk. Right. And it would shut down my car and call the police on me. And it's yes. like, I'm not drunk. I'm just <laughs> irresponsible and bad at this. Now, I would think that if you buy a car 
knowing that it has this DUI feature, you're less likely to be a person to even go out to uh, a restaurant and have more than one beer or a glass of wine and then get go, go home. Right, but I think you're also tighter, right? Like cuz the first right. the first time you get popped by accident, you're going to you you tighten up a little bit. And I think dra- part of being an effective driver is being able to be loose and confident, not tight and sort of paranoid about what everybody's doing around you. And so the more that uh, automobile makers put you in a position where you feel uncomfortable, the more likely it is that you're going to be a danger to other people on the road. It really is a slippery slope these folks are going down right now. And it says, in addition to speeding, Volvo has identified drunk driving, driving under the influence of any alcohol or drugs, and distracted driving as the other two biggest automotive safety problems. Now, they did not suggest any technology uh, technology that they have or that they're working on yet that will solve those problems or put them in their cars. But they do say about a quarter of the road deaths in the United States are caused by speeding and these other distracted factors. Now, I posted this story on my Facebook page the other day, and I received uh, several comments, including one from Eddie Wren, who says, Excellent. Volvo has not only led the automotive world in safety since their inception, but has always made its, cruci- in, uh, made its crucial developments, such as the little matter of things like three-point seatbelts, for example, to all call make- car makers worldwide for free. Nobody else comes close to Volvo in this con- context, and millions of lives have been saved specifically because of their foresight and generosity. Sounds like Eddie is a wouldn't-it-be-nice-if-it-just-saves-one-life kind of guy. We sound like such awful people on this podcast, right? We are anti-safety improvement. <laughs> we're we're pro-speeding in school zones, apparently, et cetera, et cetera. But yes, I read that the same way you do, which is have fun selling your car to more boring people. I will stay away. I, I don't want people to, like I said, just drive in, drive fast in, in in school zones. My kids are there. I don't. I would never do that. I would never do that. And it bugs me when I see people do it. Right. But it's not my job, I would think, as a car maker to force people into certain behaviors. That's the problem that I have with it. And that's where we're going with these cars. Right. We eventually, in 50 years or maybe less, we will be in a situation where all cars will be this way. And my kids, kids so my grandkids, will be buying cars, if they're not fully autonomous yet, will have these sort of features in them that will prevent you from doing anything bad in the cars. That geofencing thing, though, that is nuts, man. And that that is going to be like a governmental... We're going to see it brought up at the Colorado State Legislature where a lawmaker says, this needs to be mandatory at every school zone in the state that you are not allowed to go more than 25 miles an hour. And there's going to be healthy debate about whether that's too much Big Brother or not. There is already a program over at CDOT. Uh, they have a, they call it the RoadX uh, Advanced Mobility Technologies, uh, and it really includes a lot of different features that are already built into cars. Like we've talked about Audi, and you can know when the traffic light is going to change red to green, yep. right? So you have that countdown timer in some traffic uh, lights. Well, they are part of this advanced technology that will connect your car to the road. And so CDOT and really the, the entire state of Colorado is trying to be a, a, a forefront in this effort. And so don't be surprised if you see more people going this way where uh, they're going to get cars that are connected. They'll get uh, you know, maybe some kind of a deal with CDOT to, hey, this is great technology, great technology, but they're monitoring you 
They know where you're going. They know how fast you're driving. Just like those little doohickeys that you can put in your car from your insurance company to get a lower rate. They do that because they can see if you're a safe driver, they will give you a lower rate. If you're driving fast, they will raise your rates. Yep. Especially if you're driving fast in a school zone. That's the absolute truth. Another uh, comment from Joe Karen says, does anyone need to go faster than 112 miles an hour? Well, first of all, Joe, I do. Yeah, I know. Joe, we're not talking about needs. We're talking about wants here. He continues, as for the safe zones around the city, why not? Don't be surprised when someone installs jammers in cars so cell phones can't be used if the car is in gear. I wouldn't be surprised if your jammer idea, honestly, as we just talked about, would be instituted in these cars. Well, jammers are already a thing, too, right? I don't know if they've instituted them at concert venues. I know that was one place where they talked about they would disable basically everything but your camera on your phone in some concert venues. And movie theaters as well are looking at the technology so people's phones aren't going off during the movie. Not necessarily. Or, and recording the movie so then you're, it's ending up on, on CHD dot whatever. Exactly. Exactly. And so we're already seeing it in some places. Frankly, you know, we talk about Big Brother. It's not necessarily the worst thing in the world if you can't use your phone in the car. It's just not. It could be a safety issue. We got through several, several generations of How humans. am I going to get all this great avalanche video without people using their phones and recording avalanches while they're driving in their car? Remarkable that we didn't get a single bit of dash cam video. <laughs> we did. We got that one okay. the one where somebody was driving uh, next to Copper Mountain, and then they used the dash cam because it just swept over the car. There we but go. most of it came from cell phones. Yes. Uh, very few people still, at least in this country, have dash cams. They are starting to become more widespread, and anytime I post one of my dash cam videos, Videos, somebody's always asking me what kind of dash cam I have and a recommendation for where I got it. It is going to be one of my first purchases as well when I obtain my first vehicle. And uh, by the way, how is the uh, driver's license thing going? Uh, terrible. Okay, good. Uh, and Dorothy Dawson Spencer said, if you don't like what the company is offering, then feel free to shop elsewhere. I think this limiter will cause some drivers to choose a different car maker, honestly, than Volvo. Because... I, I don't want to have that restriction. I don't want to have somebody telling me what I can't. I don't, I, I'm 50 years old. I don't need my parents telling me what I can and can't do. Well, and it's, I, I, I don't see how they gain customers from it. That's what makes it so interesting. It's not, it's not a way to go out there and – let me frame it a different way. Who's seeing what Volvo did and being like, oh, sweet, I can only go 112 now. Thanks for cutting 40 miles per hour potentially off my vehicle. I will buy it now. It starts here, though. It starts at 112 and goes down to 100 and goes down to 85 mm-hmm. or goes down to whatever the speed limit is on the road that you are driving on. It goes to that because you're geofenced. Because if the speed limit says 45 on the road I'm driving on, it won't let me go faster than 45. However, there are certain instances where I might need to speed up a little bit to be safe. Mm-hmm. There are those instances where you might need to speed up to get out of the way of a crash or a something. And, uh, and then I would be limited in that. That's a problem to me. Mm-hmm. Big problem. It's true. <sighs> People. Cars. I don't know, man. Driving might be obsolete pretty soon, too. I mean, between autonomous cars, I'll tell you what, I've been in more lifts over the last few weeks than, than I am on a regular basis. Why would I ever drive? Like, I don't want to pay for insurance. I don't want to pay the car payment. And I certainly don't want to be responsible for whatever happens when I get behind the wheel. Let somebody else have that responsibility. But that's what you're paying for. You're paying right. for that when you get a Lyft yep. um, or get an Uber. You're, you're already paying for that service. Now, you are also uh, ha- having to decrease some of your own, 
I guess, comfort level being not alone in a car. You can't really haul a whole lot of stuff that way. You can't just leave stuff in somebody else's Uber um, like I do with my car. Right. Um, you know, I, I, even just a pack of gum and a water bottle in the car. You can't do that. Sometimes the Lyft driver gives that to you. Do they? Yeah. I, I, I bring it up. Mr. Wonderful from our uh, ABC sponsor show, Stark Tank, uh, said that he no longer has a car. And I thought that was really interesting, but it also makes sense. He does not drive anymore because he doesn't feel like he needs to. He can get everywhere he needs to go without owning a car. But I think that if you're in an urban core, you can do that. Yep. And I think as urban cores, I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, become more and more urban, you're going to see hopefully better transit, better walking, better biking, and more of these rideshare yep. services that will allow you to get around these urban areas where you're not traveling that far. I'm going 25 minutes. It's, it's like 20 miles, 22 miles, something like that, from my house to downtown Denver. And so that I'm not going to take an Uber at 3 o'clock in the morning to no. do that trip. Well, and that's, that's what sucks, man, is because like where for me it's really convenient because I'm spending at most $10 on a ride. Imagine... If you get stuck downtown in a snowstorm and you need to get back to your home and you're lifting back, you can expect to pay $120 for that ride. Yeah. Like that is just going to be what it costs. The end. And my wife will never do. I, it, it's been a struggle just to get her to take an Uber from a hotel to the cruise port when we're going in Miami. I mean, that's that's been a bit of a struggle. Um, she'll do it. She doesn't really like it. She would actually rather be in a cab than be in somebody's car. I think Which that's is weird. fair. I know. I th I actually think that's fair. I mean, the cab experience now is almost underrated because of how widespread Lyft and Uber has become. But I think cabs could become a competitive option again. The 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 level of background checks that happen and the standardization on those vehicles uh, is very different from what the Lyft and Uber experience. And I can see why it would be appealing to somebody like your wife. We had the option to take a Uber from the cruise ship back to the Miami or airport. Or a taxi. My wife wanted to wait in the taxi line, even though it was about 15 minutes longer than grabbing an Uber uh, and, and going back to just because she felt more comfortable in the taxi. And I think there's a lot of people like that. Yeah. Unfortunately, and fortunately, I guess. I still want to know why you're having such a hard time with the driver's license deal. Oh, I'm not trying very hard. That's really what it is. Is that what it is? It is. I mean, like, the yeah. effort's not there. You know what it is? My wife is an excellent driver like like probably like the rain like rain woman yeah like <laughs> <laughs> she had a cdl does for a while she's oh, a really okay. good driver so is she like judge wapner are we going off the rails now? we're a little off the rails uh it's it's intimidating to be in the car with her and she's the only person who i'm allowed to drive with right now basically oh. so you know that that's what that's the roadblock but I, it'll i'll get there if you want you know what we, we can go take a few spins so, around the Around the building in, in the vault. You know what it really is? I don't want anybody in the car with me. I feel like I'm enough of danger to myself. I don't want to subject anybody else to You need that. a Nerf car. A car built out of Nerf. I need like a lot of Xanax right before I jump behind the wheel. So I'm just like very relaxed and not thinking about how bad I am at all. I think there was a Saturday Night Live bit a long time ago. I think it was Phil Hartman called the Adobe car, something like that, where you cra it's basically made out of clay. And so he crashes it, but then he's out there just remolding it back because it's all <laughs> soft clay and putting it all back together. Okay. That's, that's the kind of car that you need, that okay. you want and you need. Yes, well, it anyway. is. Uh, that, you haven't heard the end of this whole... Uh, car companies getting in our business no because once this one starts you're gonna see other ones follow suit probably Saab because you know Saab wants to be 
safe just in vault and and uh, I'm surprised that uh, Subaru hasn't started doing something like this but you'll see it Subaru won't do this I have too much faith in Subaru not to do this to be honest but Subaru you. wants to be the safest car company in the world maybe they'll do it on like <laughs> that one that all the moms drive but like the the sports cars never never and there's some Subaru I mean Subarus are fun to drive man that was the first car I drove when I uh, rented out here my first trip out here in uh, like 1990 yep. yep it was a good time Colorado, baby. Well, that's it for the uh, podcast for the episode this week. Uh, we're efforting, efforting, I'm efforting more guests for next week because um, it helps my my voice because I have a little bit of a cold right now. And, it, and so it's starting to hurt, frankly. Presidential candidate John Hickenlooper, open invitation. Oh, yeah. I should have asked him because he, uh, he was in the yeah. studio yesterday. I should have had him on the, uh, I should have done a little interview with him yesterday. Yeah. Why didn't I do that? Yeah, next time. All right. We'll give him a call. He's, He's still a- in town. Yeah. He doesn't have many other outlets asking for him to talk, so. (laughs) Why not? Sure, let's get him on the phone. All right, well, thanks again for listening, and until next time, I'm Jason Lipper, the Traffic Guy. I'm Smash Mouth's biggest fan, Joseph Peters. Be safe, and as always, happy motoring.